0: Our thought for this message is: Grow not weary in well doing. Our text is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter three and verse thirteen. The apostle Paul admon- admonishes the church there, saying, "But ye, brethren, be not weary in well doing." Paul had written earlier to this church, First Epistle Thessalonians chapter one and verse four, saying, "Knowing, brethren, your election." Of God, I might ask, how did Paul know they were the elect of God? Well, he knew their election by their well-doing. It is still true. A tree is known by the fruit it bears. This scripture is written to Christians, for they are addressed as brethren. And it is true. Christians are the well-doers of this earth. And according to the divine standard, they are the only well-doers in the world. The interim between the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and ending of our Christian life on earth, should be summarized with the words, Well-Doing, so as to hear that blessed commendation of our Lord, Well-Done, at the end of our earthly pilgrimage. Well-Doing calls for a consistent pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Weariness is negative. It first slows us in duty, and if not overcome, causes us to shirk our duty, by which our spiritual assets accumulated by well-doing are not merely diminished or reduced to thirty-fold, but utterly wiped out and we become a liability to the Church, hurtful to our family and friends, and subject ourselves to the severe rebuke of our righteous Lord. What is well-doing? For the Christian, the answer to this question must be supported by holy writ. Any other answer will at best be suspect. Negatively, it cannot be anything which is done contrary to the Word of God. That would be undoing rather than well-doing. We are not to be hearers only, but also doers. It cannot be well-wishing, for it demands doing. It demands action. Positively, it is all that is from the heart, done in the name of the Lord and for the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ. The Christian's motive in well-doing is concern for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And then in Colossians 3, verse 17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We do not do well in order to get well, but we do well because we are well. The Christian does not work in order to be saved, but he works because he is saved. The Scripture says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So, whatever is done in our own strength is not well-doing, but in fact ill-doing. We might be glad, sad, or mad, but we should never be indifferent. We should never be complacent. Complacence and indifference are synonymous with with lukewarmness, and indifference, beloved, the Lord despises. For he said to one church that had become lukewarm, If you do not change, if you do not correct this state, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Someone said, A young Christian will make a lot of mistakes when he tries to serve the Lord. This is sadly true. But the worst mistake a young Christian can make is in not trying to serve his Lord. Do we not, as older saints, make a lot of mistakes? We do, but I trust that everyone in the sound of my voice, the older saint, does not quit, but keeps keeping on. A little girl I was reading about kept falling out of bed at night. Her mother asked her, Honey, why do you keep falling out of bed? She replied, Mama, I guess it's because I go to sleep too close to the place I got in. That is why a lot of church members never really get involved in well-doing. They go to sleep too close to the place that they got into the church. Yea, how easy it is to lose our enthusiasm for the things of the Lord. But we are admonished in our text, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Let us point out some areas where we are prone to grow weary. First, I'd like to mention preaching and pastoring, for I have been preaching and pastoring for about 40 years now. I want to talk then about myself, or better yet, the work which the preacher has been divinely called unto. I hope not to be unethical in my remarks, and certainly not egotistical, for that would be undoing rather than well-doing. My vocation and my avocation is preaching. Somebody asked me one time, what are you doing when you're not preaching? I said, I am studying in an effort to prepare a sermon that I might preach. In John 21 and verse 3, our Lord says to Peter, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. This is Peter speaking unto the other disciples. I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Peter had walked with the Lord for three years. He had forsook his fishing business and undoubtedly suffered much criticism from supposed-to-be friends for his association with Jesus. Peter later said, Think it not strange that they ask you of the reason of the faith that you have. But for this, for his association with Jesus, at this time, Jesus is dead and buried, and Peter grows weary. He is disheartened and discouraged, overwhelmed. He figures all is lost, and that the fishing business is a far greater business than the preaching business. I do not say this to be critical of Peter, for I am not qualified. Nay, Nay, not qualify to be critical of this great apostle in the very least of things. In Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you his wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I want you to note in this text, our Lord says, when thou art converted. He does not say, if you are converted. The Lord was determined to convert Peter or bring him back from his weariness to faithfulness in Christ, in the service of his Lord. Preachers are prone to grow weary. Peter was a preacher of the gospel of Christ. A man, as I said, was intimately associated with Christ for three years. Yet he grew weary. Peter's faith is going to suffer immensely, but not utterly fail. Then too, we see that when his faith is renewed, he is to strengthen the faith of his brethren, whose faith has all but failed. In Luke 22:62, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. After the Lord had rebuked him, Peter knew of his error, knew of his failings, knew of his weirdness, and he went out and wept bitterly. Let us reserve criticism of Peter and pray the Lord that we might that he might cause us to be broken in spirit, and to weep many, many tears, such as Peter wept when our footsteps slip and when we grow weary. What lesson is the pastor and his people to learn from Peter's experience? Well, we have the infallible answer. We read Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Oh, self-strength! It will fail us. It is not sufficient for the work of the Lord. So we need to lean with all of our strength upon Christ. Peter was reclaimed by our Lord and used mightily of the Holy Spirit. What makes the difference? What makes the, the disease of growing weary so terrible? It is. It is highly contagious. Peter said, I go a fishing. The other apostle said, We also go with thee. There is an old saying, Misery loves company. But we need to be careful that when we are spiritually low, when we are down, that we do not drag someone or others down with us. I thank God for putting me into the ministry. And I hope and pray never to bring reproach on the ministry nor on the Lord's blood-bought church. But be it understood, pastors are men of like passion with all others, and they are prone to grow weary. But I am determined by the enablement of God not to let you know of my spiritual weariness, much less burden you with it and cause you to grow weary. Some people believe that preachers are above weakness, but this is truly not the case. There are not men, women, and preachers. No, just men and women. Preachers are subject to variant moods as well as anybody else. But they know, for the good of the church, they must for the most part suppress their negative moods. We're all creatures of moods, but in a preacher, a dominant mood of confidence should possess him. And the greatest thing he can contribute to his church is this dominant mood. When I talk about a dominant mood or attitude, I am not talking about a holier-than-thou attitude. When the Word of God says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, do all to the glory of God, it does not mean when somebody offers you a piece of pie, you ask them if they offered it to you for the glory of God and in the name of Christ, or else you cannot eat it for the glory of God. The man who goes through life asking himself every time he is offered a piece of pie or some other kindness for the glory of God, yes or no, is not necessarily a spiritual person, but often does it to draw attention to his piety, a false piety for sure. And this is the kind of a person who is artful at spreading weirdness. Such a person is insecure, negative, and I have met a number of these along the road men that claim sinlessness for themselves. And, beloved, not in some cases, not long after, apostasy was their experience. Secondly, then, let us grow not weary in witnessing. The question is not whether people will be saved if we witness, but the question is, are we saved if we do not witness? Are we saved if we refuse to witness? The Lord said to His church, But you shall. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Beloved, a witness endeavor should never ever be a monologue, but it should be a dialogue, for we know that people love to talk. A witness prospect may ask you, where did Cain get his wife? Or do you believe? that the whale really swallowed Jonah. One old-timer said, I would believe it if it was written in the Bible the other way around. Sometimes you have to listen to the person. Much, much time may be called in listening to the other person, so as you may get to witness briefly for the cause of Christ. Somebody said, Well, I witnessed and there was no result. And I asked, Well, how do you know? Every saved person, beloved, is every every unsaved person is a is hostile towards your and my witness being saved? A brother was passing church literature out one time, and he was stopped and insulted, and he grew weary immediately. But he drove down the road a piece and pulled over to the side and realized his weariness, and he prayed, and he then he went on. Witnessing for His Lord. When men criticize us for our faith, we are subject to grow weary. We are subject to a persecution complex. In Matthew 5, verse 11, Blessed are you when men shall say, All manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. The very opposite of growing weary should be our experience. We should be mustered up in faith. We are not so naive as to believe our testimony is to be popular and readily received. Nay, on the contrary, we know the world is full of unreasonable and wicked men. But let us not grow weary when they scorn us and mock us. Do not let the critics slow you in well-doing. The Bible says, Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. They are going to speak critically. Of you, And then you can draw and have the assurance that this woe spoken of here has been lifted from off your head. It does not matter what they think of us, but, beloved, it does matter, altogether matter, what God knows about us. For God looketh on the heart, but man looketh on the outward appearance. God knows our heart. We are not the servants of man. We do not live on the breath they give us. They did not die for us on the cross. And thank God, they will not be our final judge. I am glad I am not the judge, for in a moment of heated passion or rage, I might cast all whom I know into hell. But fickle man is not the judge. They may, they may resist. They may oppose us in our witness for Christ. But let us remember They are just fickle in their being, mere lumps of clay with a soul and never-ending soul, which we, by the help of God, by the direction of the Holy Spirit, need to witness to, so as they might be saved. Let us remember that all the dirt they may throw at us will brush right off when it is dry, and the person who throws dirt is the one who is losing ground, and then, too, they are the one that end up with dirty hands. And besides, if they knew our heart as God knows our heart, they might say something that is true and worse than anything they have yet said about us. Rest assured, they have no sympathy for our cause, and if God's providence was not watching over us, woe, woe, woe unto us. Well-doing needs much effort. It must be underwritten with prayer, Bible study, and proper stewardship of the blessings which God has given us. Let us cease our grumbling, our murmuring. Take our belts up another notch and keep keeping on in the face of what may appear to be insurmountable odds. We know the odds are so heavy on God's side that there is absolute victory guaranteed to the well-doer. Our Lord said, Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16 and verse 33. And then in Galatians 6 and verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Note the condition for reaping. It is faint not if we faint not. In Isaiah 40 and verse 31 we read, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And then in Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. This is a look back, a retrospective glance to chapter 11, where these witnesses are named. Paul says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which doeth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Besetting sins, slow us, but bless God, they need not stop us. The wherefore looks back to chapter 11 and the great cloud of witnesses, of which I will name a few. There is Abel. Abel grew not weary. He brought the bloody sacrifice. He was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for he knew it was the power of God unto salvation. Then there is Enoch. He grew not weary, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch Enoch walked with God, and we have the glorious promise that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We have fellowship one with another. Noah, what kind, what kind of a time, I might ask, did Noah live in? Well, let me read from Genesis 6-5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. But this attitude and this prevailing sin did not discourage Noah. He kept right on preaching, kept right on building the ark, And the Scripture says three things about Noah which tell us he grew not weary in well-doing. First, Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. Secondly, by faith Noah moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Genesis 6, 9, Noah was a just man and walked with God. Truly, beloved, where sin abounds, God's grace doeth much more abound. Then there is faithful Abraham, who kept the faith, and grew not weary in well-doing. He said to his son Isaac, at the foot of Mount Moriah, where the sacrifice of his son was to be offered up. And Isaac implored him, saying, Behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham's faith went over the centuries, went over the mountains of time, and came to rest on Mount Calvary. And he said unto his son, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for or a burnt offering, Genesis 22 and verse 8. Then there was Joseph. He grew not weary down in Egypt, believing God had sent him into Egypt. He said to his brethren, after many years had transpired, and upon first seeing them, he reminded them, said, Ye meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Joseph knew that God's providence is always kind unto his people though we misunderstand it all too often. Then there is Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses grew not weary. At first he was questioning his ability to go down and do the things of the Lord. He said unto God, I am slow of speech. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Yet Moses was the man chosen of God, to lead his people out of Egypt, to confront Pharaoh. And Moses led them across the Red Sea, dry shod. Then there is Isaiah. Isaiah, the prophet of the Lord, in the presence of the heavenly vision of God's holiness, said, Woe is me, for I am a man undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. One of the seraphim touched the lip, touched his lips, with a coal from off the altar, and cleansed his lips. And Isaiah said, And no, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Brethren, beloved sisters, it should always be with the saints. May I, concerning the service of the Lord, and never must I. Peter, who had denied his Lord with oath and cursing, his faith wavered, but the Lord prayed for him. And he was strengthened, And we hear him say with boldness to the bloodthirsty Pharisees who charged him not to preach in the name of Jesus. Here is his reply at the peril of his own life. We ought to obey God rather than man. Beloved, Peter was on the Lord's prayer list, and the Lord strengthened him as evidenced by his answer here in Acts 5 and verse 29. Christ said unto his Father, I have finished the work which thou gavest gavest me to do, And, oh, what a work it was, beyond our power of comprehension, suffering hell for all of His people. But He didn't grow weary. Nay, He went step by step by step under the shadow of the cross. And when the time came, He went forward. And He said, Father, not my will, but Thy will be done. But, beloved, the Bible tells us during this time on earth and during His eternal being, it says, Having loved His own which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. He did not grow weary from, the, from Bethlehem to Calvary, but He went all the way, never looking back, for He knew He was going to save His people from their sin. And our Lord said to His people, Follow Me. The way we follow Christ today is by being faithful to His blood-bought church which is the pillar and the ground of truth. We can only serve the Lord through truth. Otherwise, we are weary in our efforts. Christ said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, that is, under my authority, there am I in the midst of them. Matthew 18 and verse 20. We are to follow the Lord by consistent church attendance, but we should never be satisfied with mere attendance or being a peripheral or fringe member. We should never be satisfied with anything less than the midst. That is, being in the midst of the church, involved in its work. For anything less than that, less than midst, is second best. Christ said to His church, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The world may look like It is winning, but it is not. It has been eternally defeated and is now on the fringe of destruction. So do not be disheartened, dear one, but be of good cheer. Grow not weary in well-doing. About five years ago, there was a man who ran in the New York City Marathon who had only one leg. He had lost his other leg in Vietnam. The marathon was won by a man crossing the finish line in less than three hours. But the one-legged man didn't give up. He just continued on and on. He wanted to cross the finish line. That was his ultimate desire at the time. And he did. After 100 excruciating hours, he crossed the finish line. And what a great joy it was unto him, finishing the race. And his friends stood there to welcome him. Paul said, I pressed towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Paul had the finish line, that is the mark in view, and he didn't quit until he crossed it. He says, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, and now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me at that time, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I have had people say to me, I want to be a member of the church, but I am afraid They will call on me to pray in public. The church knows when upon whom to call for praying. Some have said to me, I want to be a member, but I have this hang-up. We all have our peculiar hang-ups of one kind or another. I don't like iced tea or any kind of tea, for that matter. But the blessed church still tolerates me. The slow-moving turtle knows he will never get anywhere unless he sticks his neck out.